Greetings and welcome to Free Speak, a podcast of the Namibia Media Trust. I'm your host, Gwen Lister. It's something everyone needs, whether they know it or not. And that's access to information, which is described as the ability of an individual to seek, receive and impart information effectively. It's been described as the mother of all rights, and there's been a sustained push by civil society organizations since 2016 to get an ATI law in place in Namibia. Our country is a little late to the party in terms of these laws, but we finally have a bill due to come up in the next session of Parliament and which we hope will soon become law. We won't focus on the technicalities of the draft bill today except to say that apart from a few issues, it has most of the things required to be a good law. But more specifically, I think today we want to talk about the principle of ATI, access to information, and its resonance or not in the lives of Namibians. So to help us shed light on why access to information is important for all citizens in general, and the journalism fraternity in particular, I have two great guests with me today. Linda Magano Bowman is a feminist, gender and human rights activist, also a member of the Action Namibia Coalition, and Orgeto Gregg is a journalist with De Republicane and a member of the steering committee of the nascent Media Professionals Union of Namibia. So welcome to you both and thanks for joining us today. If I could start with you, Linda, we're living not only in a period of pandemic which has turned life as we know it upside down globally, but also in very hard economic times for the majority. How do we convince people, especially at grassroots level, that they actually need ATI, which is probably at the moment not a priority in the lives of most whose major preoccupation is to put food on the table? Also, perhaps I can add to that, how can ATI transform especially the lives of poor and more marginalized people? And if you can, give us some examples to illustrate this. Uh, thank you, Gwen. Um, I think for me, it's, it's, it, they're, they're quite levels on, the, on your question. And I'll start with the issue around the importance that people's basic rights are first respected. That's the entry. Because once we understand and dignify every person's life, we will be, we will, and, and that it levels on the civil and political rights because that's the first level because that's also where the one right of us as people is like stated in our constitution, which is Article 21, which is the freedom of expression, which links to the whole ATI uh, linkage of discussion that I'm hoping we'll also explore. But then for me is how I see it is that if we look at access to information and, and, and the work that I've done as an activist and on the ground, it's evident that people ha there's a disconnection to f of access to information and basic human rights. Right. And also there's a middle fact, there are factors that influences, which is our political landscape. And that for me already talks a lot about how people look at access to information in the sense of whether I have the right to get information and when can I speak around that information. Mm -hmm. And engaging our communities was evident that they, people understand that organizational and institutional engagements are not their priorities to be able to affirm issues that are happening, but the issue of service delivery, that's where the citizen becomes agitated. Because when access to services are not attained, that basically means access to information is a problem. 
Because if I don't have information, I will not know where to get the service. And I think that's where you see us as activists getting up, but also you see citizens speaking towards the issue of services. And when, the, when you talk about services, this is where you link the state, uh, local authorities and then the state. And that's where the issue of accountability, good governance and transparency comes in. And that's why there's a need for us to have a discussion around access to information, because those three pillars of are principles that would make me as a citizen know my rights are protected, they are dignified, that is why I'm able to have services because the information is available, but also the quality of service that plays a role around that. So that's the interlinked issues for me. Because right now, taking your question again with the situation that we're having around the COVID-19 pandemic, people's issues are bread and butter issues. So if the bread and butter issues um, are are key for me, then access to information on where do I get that social grant or that social welfare food support, that information is not out there. That is where the basic entry comes in of discussion. And I think that hasn't taken place because yes, you have entity of your regional offices or your governors that are giving this information out, but the system itself hasn't worked for us on the ground. And that is why you'll forever hear the issues of corruption coming and manipulation and conflict of interest. Because if I don't get services, it basically means my rights are infringed and I'm not dignified as a person. I'm not being protected by the people I've elected over a period. And that is why this discussion around access to information is key. And and for citizens itself and the work that I've done is that they... they first want to understand their rights because the rights discussion in this country is a dead discussion. If I have to think in the 90s how human rights and paralegal trainings and and legal aid offices were around our neighborhoods, that basically tells you that access to information was available. But now you can't have it. You have to go to a police station. You can't find even legal assistance decentralized like it used to be at ShopRite, where families would walk down my child, my family problem. Legal aid is not available. So if that is not available, how do you think people will get any access to information that is statutory, but also themselves not understanding how to access it? You go to a hospital, you won't find a whole information board that guides you around how the place operates. You have to ask people and then you get sent around from one layer to another. So just to encapsulate your question to say that access to information is a key issue that needs to be unpacked and the sit and Namibians haven't discussed it, it still takes place at a very high level. And I think the, the decentralization and diversification in language also it's is very important. important, very important, yes. And obviously linked very closely to access to information and one of the major players in the access to information scenario is of course the media. Um, maybe we can describe access to inter- information in a sense as an antonym secrecy. Again, I think it's a question of the phrase and the understanding people have around it. And But not many people would argue against the need for a more open and transparent society. And governments, by their very nature, tend to believe that public information belongs to them. All too often they cite things like confidentiality, and of course one of the most popular slogans is national security, as a reason to withhold that kind of information from people. Orgeto, as a journalist who wants to be obviously as accurate and comprehensive in your reporting as possible, to what extent does or has government secrecy impacted on your role as a journalist? Um, Thank you very much, Gwen. 
Ja, um, over the years, there have been numerous experiences where uh, my ability to present accurate, interesting and timely information to the reading audience was limited by uh, government's tendency to withhold information. And um, practical um, issues that come to mind are, for instance, the ability to verify the truth of what somebody says. Because there isn't a repository of information that I can access uh, which has records of what has happened. Often you are reliant on a top official or even a minister to tell you what the situation is. And then you have to you have to believe what that person says because you can't verify it easily against a, a, a better source. So I think that um, ach, there are so many uh, examples. One that I encounter almost constantly is I'm looking for a particular person who can answer a question. They have the authority. They're the proper person. So I call the office and I speak to a receptionist or a secretary or some, some person on the front line. And I ask to speak to the person. And the person is not available in the office at the time. So I ask for a cell number and they tell me they can't give me the cell number because there are uh, restrictions on giving individual cell numbers to people who call the office, which is fair enough. You can understand. But, but is it fair enough? Because I think most of those cell phones are covered by government and they're given allowances to be available to the public. Is that not so? But isn't it that they've personalized these telephones as their own? Because, let's face it, because if, I, if, if the, C, the Minister of Acts of Information had a company cell phone, uh-huh. then he should be probably carrying his personal cell phone separately, which means that's not a restricted number. And, and that then hampers your ability to get the information that is required. And that, that information is required in order to make the story fair and balanced most of the time. Sometimes you've heard something outrageous. So you want to hear from the authority. There's this rumor which is possibly damaging. Can you tell me what the reality is so that I can inform the public? I mean, that's central to what we do as journalists. We're supposed to inform the public about things that uh, interest them and that they can find useful. So, um, but what I, what I wanted to say from my side, since I've been thinking about the topic since you mentioned it in the beginning, is that access to information is a function of success. My example is if we look at the mining industry in Namibia, yeah. compare it to most of the other sectors. Mining is a very successful sector. And the reason, therefore, is because mining is so capital intensive that most of the mines are funded by listed companies. And listed companies are on stock exchanges, and stock exchanges have very stringent rules about information because uh, shareholders need to know. They need to know what's going on in the company that they own so that they can make inf- uh, informed decisions about when to sell, when to buy, and all sorts of things. And because of the fact that information about that company is known, the company does everything it can to ensure that that information casts it in a, in a positive light. It's, it's seen by everybody. And, and that is central to its existence and to its competitiveness. But in most of our industries in Namibia, uh, they are not listed companies. We've got private companies. 
And uh, even with private companies, access to information is very limited. If, right. if they don't want to speak to you, they don't have to speak to you. And what you can find on record, say, thanks to the Companies Act or through BIPA or whatever organization they have to be registered with, uh, depending on what kind of company it is, is often limited and dated. News is about what's happening now. So information that's limited and dated, at best it can add a little bit of context, a little bit of history. But uh, at worst it can even be misleading because that situation might not be current. So um, I think uh, what I want to say is that the lack of access to information in one way or the other, but effectively, is holding us back as a country from being the best that we can be and competing on a, on a proper footing with the whole world. That's a very good point you raise, uh, Orgeta, and it's a question I was going to ask you as well, because we tend to focus a lot about information coming from government, which is obviously the main repository of public information, but also the issue, because it's covered by the ATI uh, bill or law that will be, are of course pub, uh, private companies and the NGO community. So I was going to ask you the question as to whether it's any easier to get information from private companies as it is government, but I think you've more or less answered that question and said that there are problems there too. In other words, we just don't, as a society, have this openness and transparency about information, making it easily accessible. Exactly. But I also think extended to that, it's the narrative around how access to information and the understanding around it has been portrayed in this country. Because when people talk about ATI, immediately it's the state, the ring bell that comes to your head. The state right. must be responsible yeah. to be accountable and make sure that we have information, which is the right thing because oh. they're the overarching custodian. But the other areas of engaging uh, uh, companies, the private sector and the NGO sector, is, is zero around, uh, around uh, accountability and also transparency and good governance because we know there's huge problems around that. And I think there... We haven't balanced that discussion and that is why we will be juggling around this ATI law because they, the way it is written is to currently be in the interest of those in charge. Mm. And it's not in the interest of all of us as, 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 as citizens of this country. And I think it's a discussion that needs to be unpacked. We ourselves from civil society need to take a, foot, a step back and be able to reflect what is our level of accountability to our own constituencies in this country and to our state. And I think that's also, if we are able to do that, then I think it will be a collective um, uh, understanding that we all are accountable. It'll sort of promote more openness, hopefully, across the, across the board. Yeah, but I think that openness, uh, if we look at it from a historic point of view, it's really something that uh, Namibians are um, coming to grips with even now. Because as much as we are a very friendly and welcoming nation on, on, on some levels. You know, this is the land between two deserts. And surviving here often depended on what you know. Because if you don't know how, where the water is, you, you're not going to make it. And often uh, in our history, there are examples of uh, people sharing information to their own detriment. Uh, people getting misused because they, they shared what, what they knew. I mean, if you look at um, uh, what happened to the, to the sand, inhabitants of Namibia, the fact that everybody that they uh, greeted upon arrival uh, ended up taking such terrible advantage of them, such a long history of slavery and misuse. So I think that throughout 
our history in this country, there has been um, this repetitive cycle of uh, once you let people in, then things completely turn around and you end up at the bottom. And I think that we need to, we need to address that history and look at ourselves again as a nation and see that actually that's, that's a one way of looking at it. But another way of looking at it is that we have always survived throughout all the tumultuous history and we've always grown and we've always embraced again at the end of the day the people who we are at heart, which is a welcoming, open and uh, uh, joyous people who celebrate life and celebrate meeting other people. Because imagine you're alone for long periods of time and then you meet somebody. There's, there's, a, there's a joy that comes with that, which I think is fundamental to who we are as Namibians. And I want to take the conversation to a few steps back. And I want to look at it to actually say, fine, let's take it back in our history and let's not even go that deep. Uh-huh. We come from a, an, a, a liberation struggle of oppression, yeah. right? And in that oppression, we've overcome it and we got independence. Yeah. The current situation that we're in, whose problem is it? It is our own problem. Yeah. It's modern slavery by the black man. And we need to acknowledge that. Yeah. And that is where the problem is because what has happened is the, we haven't even made a 360 change to enhance our lives yeah. on the ground because where we come from, we had needs yeah. and those were basic needs. And that is why in the beginning I spoke about the citizen's basic needs. Yeah. Yeah. And if the citizen has that basic needs, yeah. there will not be a problem to ensure that there is greater growth and development in this country. Yeah. But what has happened is that the ones that took over yeah. has made the need into ones and forgotten about those really in need because then we've camouflaged the cake and put sprinkles on top, forgetting that the dough is is still moist and it needed to to rise. And that is why many of us have been left out. You cannot have a population of 2.3 million people and there is over 60% rate of poverty in this country. It is impossible. It's impossible. But I think, I think that if we're going to look at ourselves, if we're going to face these things, we have to know about them. And that brings us back to access to information. You know, you were talking about the cake that's been covered over and put uh, sprinkles on. The, the way that has been done is by limiting information and also um, uh, presenting it in a way that is not always ac- uh, accurate or relevant or the proper way, or if we're going to that takes me back to the issue around the media then. Yes. I have been hungry in this country to really see every media house having investigative journalism taking place, digging as deep as possible and making this leadership in this country uncomfortable. We get that and they stop. And I understand it's because information is limited, like you would have, like you shared earlier. But we need to be able to reclaim those ethics and of journalism back and be able to hold the state accountable and have uncomfortable conversations because we must also know that the, and acknowledge that the media is captured. Yes. It's captured to the journalist and to the end because most of our journalists are lazy. You take a press statement, you take a press statement and you copy it as exactly as it is. And sometimes I've received it via email and I'm reading an article tomorrow morning, which is no different of what I read the previous night. So I have a problem with that. And then it might sound, the statement might sound very harsh. And I'm saying that so that they can get an awakening. 
Because it is important for us to understand that in space, that is why media in this country has prospered because the journalists like yourselves have made this country's people who are in charge uncomfortable in their seats. But now that we've become too complacent and too comfortable around how reporting happens because this is why you can actually, back in the days, you would have that rose of, of moving and linking how development and information around development even grows. Absolutely. And that is not happening yeah. because right now we don't even know who has appointed commissioners in this country and what criteria has been taken and it's not re reported upon. Yeah. You just hear this is a new board of NBC. Yeah. What is their qualifications? Yeah. You know, if you look at the public entities themselves, so, yeah. we ask ourselves because at the end of the day, now we want to cry out. Yeah. Corruption has been happening around these entities. But when this board members were appointed, yeah. we holified them in that moment. And the activists that speak and the journalists that write about it yeah. get uh, sanctioned yeah. and, lim and there are limitations. There, there come so many limitations and threats. Yeah. And we as Namibians, we don't talk about that also because yeah. then that in, at the end of the day gets us to understand the importance of why we need this law in this yeah, country. Yes, yes. So all ends can, can be protected. I also just mention if we have the law, then in an uh, uh, essence, there's no excuse for sloppy journalism anymore. Yeah. Because at the moment, journalists can turn around and say to you, listen, it's not that I'm lazy, it's not that I'm afraid, but I just don't get the access I need to give the citizen comprehensive, digging deep type journalism. So as I say, a law will definitely, I think, obviate that. I, I would agree that the law is a very important uh, positive step, but in and of itself, I don't think it's a solution. It's not the end because, deal and end all. Yeah, uh, not only because of the fact that uh, the entire legal system, the fact that you have to have a lot of money if you really want to take advantage and claim your rights through the legal system. Um, there's also much more important is the need for our society to change and to um, you know, this citizen journalism, which is a product or a, a child of this social media, and which I think needs to grow so that there's no space for uh, what you call sloppy journalism. Because in a time, there was a time when citizens had so much less access to information than they have now, that the only way you would ever find out about it is if it was written in the newspaper. But now there's a lot of information out there, also a lot of false information out there. And uh, that will um, create the new uh, uh, identity of journalism, in my, in my opinion. The uh, journalism should be credible. It should be the source that you turn to if you want to really know what the story is. Although, you know, there's always going to be the limitations. There's always going to be the perspective from which the journalist or the publication writes. Um, Information is not such a sterile thing as you might think. It's, 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 it, it moves. It is part of the fabric of reality. So it is, it is not apart from reality. And reality changes all the time. But that's, that's why it's so important to be informed. Because if you are informed, then you know about the changes in your reality. And you can adapt and you can adopt a lifestyle that works with that reality and you can live a good and fulfilling and a happy life. And that really is um, the dream, I think, that we all had when Namibia became independent, a, a, a land of, of happy, prosperous people, not just brave because we have to be brave to survive day in and day out. 
but brave enough to celebrate our existence and our uniqueness within the world. And all of these things tie together. So I don't think the access to information law, although it is a milestone, we have not reached a goal yet. We will reach a goal when every Namibian takes pride in knowing Namibia so well, knowing different languages and little details about different tribes and cultures that you are fi finding in this country, uh, about plants and animals, about the weather, knowing about who we are, our history. When we take pride in that, then we can stand up to the whole world, even with our small population, and say, we are Namibia, and here, this is how it's done. I think it extends, it, for me, it extends also, but generally, because when laws are made in this country, there's no decentralization of getting the citizens to understand the law. Mm -hmm. And I do agree in principle that as much as we have that law, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. There's uh, making sure that the state entities understand the intersectional responsibilities of that law because there are different state agencies that need to apply and ensure that that is enacted but also our responsibility as citizens to be that the state has to decentralize the understanding of this access to information bill yeah. but but let's say by then it's the law now people citizens need to be able to own that and i think that is what we've always had that challenge and that is why i do agree that the legal system comes across expensive but if you do understand it you're able to navigate your way within the system because the state is supposed to have ensured that there's, you're able to flow through the channels mm. without having a big burden of that you don't have money to be able to move things. Exactly. And I think then at the end of the day, we would have had that co-developmental responsibility, mm. but also ensuring that as citizens, we affirm what we've agreed upon within yeah. that bill yeah. or within that law. And I think the principal underlying factor is for me right now, that that bill gets decentralized to our communities, that the national discussion takes place, that the journalists themselves interrogate that law, in, in that bill, in order for us to be able to understand the narrative around why we need this, and also have robust discussions on radios and get people to understand why access to information is important. Because if this law gets passed, and no groundwork has been done, then yeah. this is no different for, for me from any other laws that we've done in this yeah. country. The law is, in other words, a beginning and not an end in itself. But Ogeta, can I quickly just ask you a question, then back to Linda, and then we're going to have to start thinking about finalizing this discussion in the interests of time. A critical question is to you. The public, it often seems to me, do not precisely or well understand the role of the media. And um, particularly in its efforts to ensure that citizens get the access to information they need. And if not, and I think it's true to say they don't, what can media do to enhance that awareness and a belief among people that the advantages of good journalism are going to stand them in good stead? How do we lure them away from social media, if you like, as well, and instead encourage them to go towards reputable sources of information, the type of information that's going to make a good uh, difference in their lives. In a sense, I think media has been very politicized. And you raised the point earlier, even information or lack of information or access to information isn't about politics all the time. It's about bread and butter issues. You raised the question, it's about where to get the water. If you've been given a plot or a farm, what use can that be to you unless you have the knowledge 
about working the land and what to do with it. So how do we get through to the public media's critical role so that they are also our advocates in many ways and insist upon good journalism? Gwen, I don't think that we should be trying to get the public away from social media. I think that we should be... Well, away uh, from disinformation rather than... Yeah, yeah, so we should... Yeah, disinformation, I agree. But I think that we should be part and parcel of social media. I think that we need to be relevant and we need to be uh, present within any discussion. And the person that we need to be when we are being present is credible and is reputable so that we can uh, at least provide the access to the authority about any topic that is being discussed at the time. Because in this, in this world of uh, social media and uh, avalanche of information that the internet presents, um, people need to be able to refer to an authority. They need to be able to say, look, uh, actually this is how it is and have that backup, and then you need it immediately. And right. that, that can be a, a role of the media, which fits nicely with the current role of the media, which is to disseminate the information about uh, current events. You know, news is about what's happening now. So at the same time, we just need to fill these shoes, be the person who knows what's happening now right. and can provide the proper, the correct information about whatever is being discussed now for whoever's interested in that information. And I think in that way, uh, we can cement our, our uh, position within the relationship. It's like a, a family that's sitting around a dining room table. There'll be a seat open for us as journalists and as the media. But at the moment, there's a lot of talk about uh, media not being um, factual, not being believable not being uh, credible. And I think that it's something that the media should take some responsibility for, because especially if you look at what's played out internationally, uh, for instance, in America, where the television news channels are so partisan that they are associated with uh, specific political parties and specific messages. And I think that uh, once media becomes uh, too partisan, uh, it uh, necessarily should be losing its audience. The fact that um, that hasn't played out that way in, in lots of developed countries, I think there are good reasons therefore, but I don't think it has to happen that way in Namibia because as much as we are leading the continent in many respects, we are still a young nation, our media is still young, and we get to write our own history we get to blaze the trails we want to blaze. Right. We get to set the standards that we aim to set. For ourselves. For yeah. ourselves. Exactly. And I think that that's, that's what we need to adopt as a nation, the reality, the, the, the um, perspective, that we don't have to follow examples that don't impress us. We, we should set our bar for ourselves high, and we should aim to reach that bar, and every time that we fall down, we pick ourselves up again, we dust ourselves off, and we try again. So if we say that, I, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to understand, because what I see in our media fraternity is that, yes, there are media houses that are being, you can see, uh, we've known their history of political affiliation, it's been very clear. Mm -hmm. There are media houses that are being bashed that are anti-certain political parties, that also is a reality. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen is that 
it is the leadership within the media house that is captured. And then sometimes you won't see the portrayal of them being partisan on the paper, but you'll see the different segments of promotion of their parties, them being partisan. So what I mean by that for me is sometimes you see that very silent because we are very diplomatic as Namibians in terms of how we um, show our association. Yeah. We, we penetrate very gentle. Yeah. And I've, I've seen journalists sometimes not being able to segregate their role as individuals yeah. being partisan or yeah, non-partisan. And I'm going to that level because that's where we need to reground yeah. our journalists because I cannot sit in a space knowing that Ogeto just reported yesterday um, and today we're sitting chilling at this spot and this Ogeto is very clear about the background of where he was coming from yeah. with his article. And you could read in the article how yeah. pro it is yeah. and how they take pride on a particular political party. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that makes you wonder how they also navigate them through themselves through the editors. Yeah, yeah. No, in terms definitely. Of making sure that, yeah. So I'm just throwing that out there that we have a very yeah. diplomatic that's way. That's, that's a very valid point. And as a practitioner in the media space, as a journalist, I would like to strive to be the go-to guy for whatever piece of news you want. But as uh, somebody who reads newspapers and uh, somebody who enjoys news, I know from experience that you can't just depend on one source. You will never get the proper picture, the you true picture. To. You have to look at it from different angles. And when it comes to news, that means reading different newspapers, listening to different yeah. radio stations, watching different television channels, you know, and uh, going and, and doing research for yourself. And people need to be their own verifiers and fact checkers. You yes. know, it's got to be something you do as an individual. And, and in today's world, you can. We're moving towards the end here, believe it or not. And this is the problem when it's an interesting discussion. But I just want to end by saying, you know, that obviously we've agreed. A law in itself isn't the be all and end all. Problems will remain afterwards. In fact, the biggest challenges come then. Citizens may still be afraid to assert their rights to information, either through due to fear or the culture of not questioning authority. Some structural barriers will remain, and one of those is, of course, poor access to the internet on the part of poorer communities in remote areas particularly. Also, I think ATI doesn't necessarily lead to greater citizen participation. We hope it does, but that's not necessarily the case. So just... Two quick final thoughts from the both of you on how we go forward from here and how we can make this right to information or the demand for the right to information resonate among the people. Linda, please go ahead and then Ogeta. I think for me is the first level would be that as the bill goes back to parliament that they become that we have a national dialogue that takes place around the bill and that citizens get, get engaged that us as citizens take responsibility of that right that we that is that is that we that we are that we are entitled to in terms of freedom of expression but also the alignment to right to information but then extended to how they are able to take responsibility in ensuring that they seek information and 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 question and not just swallow because that has been our tradition in Namib in Namibia whatever you read is this is fact. And I think what you said, Ogeto, is a very key thing that I want to pull and say that double-check your facts and question everything before you can swallow. And I think that's what we need to do. It's a very fast, sharp, because by the time we have the dialogue, we are able to actually question ourselves and our responsibility as citizens towards access to information. 
I would just say that uh, life is about being present. So we need to be present in our lives here in Namibia. And to do that, we need to know what's going on. So we need to inform ourselves. We need to gather information. And for that, we as a country are about to adopt an access to information law, which is an important step forward. We can celebrate it, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything unless it's in ourselves, in our own behavior. We need to access information for ourselves. And instead of also being land of the brave, we need to be the land of the truth seeker. Yes. <laughs> Thank you both. That's a wrap. Thank you both very much for the time. I wish we could have continued for another hour. You're very welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Linda. Thanks. Thank you.